Welcome back to the Fandom Fighters podcast. I am Fern. And I'm Toby. I'm introducing myself today. <laughs> and today we have a special guest. Everybody welcome Stella from Stone Dragon Crafts. Hello, Stella. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Um, we've been talking about doing this episode uh, for like a month now, or these this batch of episodes, really. Uh, and we're super excited because the first four we recorded are all very dramatic. <laughs> it's all about like the background drama of fandom stuff, but there's a good side to fandom too. And yeah. when when I approached you to talk about because I knew you were um, fan fan of things, uh, fan of things, yes. You, you, you specifically were like I love troll hunters so much. Let's do episodes about that. I was like, I okay, <laughs> perfect. It was a it was perfect. Uh, way to get into it um so yeah that's a little spoiler about what we're talking about today i don't know stella you want to you would you like to talk about what you're talking about today no um i have a very hard time trying to just even find where to begin about it uh as far as the troll hunters series and all of the tales of arcadia is concerned i feel like i'm almost indoctrinating people to it because every time somebody's like i don't have anything to watch and i'm like oh well I, do i have a suggestion for you um i've also been trying to get my partners into it um one of them which that we will just switch off episodes because he wants me to watch uh gundam iron-blooded orphans and so we'll nice. keep going one episode after another and i'm like no you'll have to get this troll hunters one and <laughs> with the movie with the movie coming up next month i've told him we need to step up our watching game uh and, and now's because... a perfect time to do this podcast too <laughs> Right, exactly. So, uh, and that way people can also feel like they can binge something that's completely done, you know, because it's pretty, it's right there. It's, it's nearly complete with the movie coming up next month, which I am very stoked for, by the way. Um, it became one of my favorite shows about roughly three years ago. And it's really hard to remember if whether or not all three seasons were released by the time I binged it. But I had definitely, you know, just got sucked right into it. Um, and then I did not know about the second installment uh, of the series for Tales of Arcadia 3 Below until probably late 2019 or early 2020, because then I jumped right into going like binging those episodes. And to talk a little bit about the Tales of Arcadia, you have it in three sets. It's Troll Hunters, 3 Below, and then Wizards. And they all make up one like large universe. And three below is the sci-fi aspect that comes into this. Like it's married with magic very, very well. And it's just death's kiss of science fiction and fantasy and how well they can work together. Um, but coming back to Troll Hunters, because that's the first series that people would have to watch. Um, in the beginning, it's really it just right off the bat, you're thrown into a fight um, that's just out of sight of humanity, but so close that you're questioning how in the world people are not seeing it. You're seeing the initial troll hunter fighting off uh, the son of the the evil bad guy there. Um, his name is Bular. And you then see him sacrifice himself and turn to stone. So now you've understood that trolls can't walk around in the daylight. And just in the first few moments, you're, you're already getting thrown into world building. The pacing doesn't miss a beat, juxtaposing ordinary and extraordinary. And it just keeps throwing in where uh, fantasy intersects with mundane really well because then you're moved into meeting jim and his best friend trying to just get to school and not be late so you go from one epic fight to just kids being kids can't believe uh, i've never heard of this it, it's i have watched a little bit of this with my kids and like in the background i never really paid much attention to it. i thought it was like interesting um but I, I never really paid too much attention to it i just knew it was like safe for kids watch so i put it on for them and uh oh, for it, sure i didn't know there was a character named toby in it <laughs> yes nice <laughs> that makes sense um yeah it's i love uh any any stories that can mix like modern world with like fantasy ideas absolutely in, in a, urban in fantasy a, is the best niche um yeah it's, it's <laughs> very so good i love i don't i i'm probably alone in this but i like that movie with uh will smith and the orc guy i think i'm will smith is in there right dark no, he light? is, yeah. Light? Uh, bl no, what is it Bright? called? Yeah, Bright, it's that. It I couldn't get past it. There was a lot of writing things that I would definitely, mm -hmm. like, I, I could go into another hole too, but the concept of it was very good. It, it was yeah, a very yeah. cool concept. And that's, for me, a lot of times, concept is, like, the big seller because I can, 
I can make my own uh, <laughs> interpretations of what's yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's that urban fantasy setting just reminded me of that movie. <laughs> and it's like definitely completely different audiences for the two things. But yeah, you know, I would. If we're going through the urban fantasy vein here, I would definitely compare Troll Hunters to Percy Jackson. Ah, excellent. I love I, Percy Jackson. I've heard yes. a lot of good things about the yeah. books. That's uh, another fandom as, I'm deep in. <laughs> not as nice. many good things about the movies, but I've heard the movies are pretty okay. We don't believe yeah. in those. We, we have a tradition okay. of not watching those. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah. Even the author of Percy Jackson is like, we don't talk about the films. Excellent. There okay. is a musical for that plug of anybody that's also a Percy Jackson fan. Go look up the oh. musical on Spotify. It's dope. And um, it's on Spotify. Okay. Yeah. The the musicals, all of the the album is on uh, Spotify. Um, but it's it's very similar to Percy Jackson in the vein that you'll get your chosen hero, and you of course have the love interest best friend, and you know there's the magical ordained quest, right? And I feel like what a lot of urban fantasy, especially YA and coming of age stories, kind of um, have a problem towing is that line of reality. Like, at what point do the adults start to wonder what's going on, you know? Right. And I I feel like Percy Jackson did very well with, with that particular part of it and that reality that the parents already knew that their kids were demigods and that in Troll Hunters... There is actually a progression of when the adults become involved, and it's really good. And it's it, they have just very realistic um, and believable parts in the story all through season one, two, and three, where things become close calls. You've really got parents that are concerned, or um, parents that are just very much in the dark. Like Toby's grandma is legally blind, and she doesn't notice that there's a troll living with them. and it it creates good comic relief but you have to wonder how blind is this woman and why is she allowed to drive and yeah um so you know that's that's one of the comic relief portions of it but jim's mom is actively involved and tries to figure out what's going on and you know it it kind of shows teen angst from a different perspective where it is frustrating for the parent and they're trying to actively do things. Um, and decided you shouldn't even use teen angst, but just rather that the poor guy is like burnt out because he's trying to live two lives. But, you know, uh, it kind of try- like one of the biggest themes in there is actually uh, parent and child dynamics and relationships, as well as when to ask for help. And oh, so that's, that's good. I'm glad that they, we've got a whole little section about like all the, the very positive uh, outlooks that this yeah. uh, series has. And like, I can I I didn't even think about it until just now. I was like, th- this is like a he's a high schooler, right? Yeah, he's in high school. Okay, so he's in high school, and then he fights trolls overnight, um, because they can the, the the trolls only come out at night, right? That's that's the uh, the gist of it. Yes. Or does he? Is there like when does so he the sleep? Gist, <laughs> does he sleep? He, this actually it's very well covered in there. It really kind of shows that he doesn't get a whole lot of rest. It, it, there's a lot of episodes that really kind of highlight hey jim you're exhausted you should take a break you know kind of moments but um tr- basically the mantle of troll hunter is this um passed on mantle or responsibility and it is anytime a previous troll hunter dies the amulet picks a new one it was made back when there was this war between two warring parts of trolls trolls that kind of wanted to you know live in peace amongst humans not so much amongst them but just you know like side by side like we'll do us you do you and these other ones called the Gum Gums that are the evil ones that wanted to take over the world, create this eternal night, so to speak, and just raise it all to the ground kind of deal. And yeah, that's, so that's Merlin, yeah, so Merlin created the amulet and so on. There's there's a lot of the world building that went into that one. Oh, like uh, like King Arthur Merlin. Yes, like King Arthur oh, Merlin. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, does so does this? Oh, go ahead, Toby. I I just wanted to ask a really stupid question. <laughs> There's as no I such usually, thing. As I, no, here, get ready. Uh, <laughs> does the amulet follow Santa Claus rules, or is it preordained? Like, is the next person who finds it becomes a troll hunter, like they put on the Santa suit to become the next Santa? Do you know what no, I'm talking about? It's, is that, yeah, it's preordained. Okay. It's preordained. No, that's not a dumb like, question, but that that's useful terms for me now. I've never heard of that. Like, um, the movie. Where he accidentally kills Santa? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, it's it's actually like really specific. It's like a weird thing, but it's a very specific type of like. That's definitely a trope. That's a trope name I've never heard, and I'm writing it down. And it's a good. Yeah, I I use it in D and D stuff pretty often. So get ready for that. 
No, no, this um, is very much preordained. There's actually several lines from Merlin himself when he, he comes back into the picture where he says, my amulet does not make mistakes. You know what? I love Merlin. I want to take a little He's break. He's such a good this. plot. Yeah. I, you just <laughs> completely reminded me that there's a like a book series about young Merlin and how he just he doesn't exist in time anymore, basically. Like, that is just... honestly, yeah, that's honestly kind of the trope that he falls into in Troll Hunters too. Because there's a in the Young Merlin series, which I'm gonna go back and read now that it just, it just dredged us out of my high school memories like, <laughs> 20 years ago. But like, you're welcome. Young Merlin um, is such an interesting character because like he goes blind and then learns magic to see. Like he doesn't see with his eyes; he just sees with magic. Wow. Um, but he uh, he essentially like at some point in the series he meets himself from the future, and he, he, old Merlin's like, "Yeah, like check out this sweet Honda Civic I have <laughs> or something." I don't remember. That's that's just like how I remember. But he's like, "Yeah, I got a car in my tower because I don't uh, fuck with time like you do." Wow. But I I love that's that. Not what I was expecting you to say. The the wizard out of time is a very good um very good trope love that so does this series it sounds like it takes a little bit from like arthurian legend but does it also take from like nordic mythology or what like what are the um kind of the inspirations yeah so what i noticed were inspirations was definitely proto-germanic and celtic stuff um Mm. out of it now that's the initial watch through in troll hunters you will see arthurian stuff when you get to wizards because that's that's you know, I don't want to really give spoilers, but there are trailers for it out there. People want to watch it. But Wizards is my favorite because it does actually take place in Arthurian times for a portion of the cool. series. Oh, and very cool. I love Arthurian stuff. I am I am such a nerd for it. You can sell me on anything pretty much just promising me I'll see something about King Arthur. And mm-hmm. um, so the uh, really it comes down to like any any old folk tales you would have known about trolls being made of stone, can't walking around, can't walk around in daylight living underground the bridge there there's definitely bridge allegories used um bridges were supposed to be the borders between human and troll worlds um one of the biggest battles that are always that is pretty much the core part of the conflict in the show is the battle of Killahead bridge and there's a lot of conspiracy that follows the bridge and its construction and where it leads to in the dark lands where the gum gums are locked away and uh it, it just like I said, it's it's really just incredible how they took a lot of myth and just kind of removed it from its source material and made it something their own. That's that's super interesting. And like yeah. you said, the Darkland, so it kind of like that that gets me thinking, um, like a lot of Nordic and Slavic stuff, like you said, yeah. it, it, with the trolls, like literally the ice trolls being, uh, or like I, should say, I mean, troll and giants, kind of like interchangeable in some you know you know right. oh yeah you can, you can uh, swift and swap around my favorite piece of world building i'm not gonna lie is that they have these trolls that actually are canonically in florida and they're called quagawumps and me being a native floridian um i was like you know that would explain a lot of florida man nonsense right there <laughs> that's excellent and i kind of go back and talk about bridges because like I don't know if this is true or not, but I I heard it a long time ago because uh, in Arthurian stuff there's also like uh, some like bridge magic, and it's it's not I I want to say it's not like super covered. It's just kind of like yeah, bridge is kind of fucked up. It's just because bridges are hard to build. It's like yeah, oh, a yeah. lot of the a lot of the magic comes from like uh common folk like how the fuck do you guys do this? <laughs> like this <laughs> this shit's magic. So. My Arthurian stuff, yeah, especially it's oh, it's just magic. Um, I was rereading um the Mort Arthur. I'm going through like uh reading over it because I'm trying to look for um I am writing my own out of out of time Arthurian tale, and I was seeking inspiration, and I really came to the conclusion that anything that happens is Merlin's fault. Yeah, that's fair. No, that's that's fair. That's it's always uh, yeah. a wizard. Other things, it's literally, and I don't know if anybody else here also listens to um Tim on uh Hello Future Me. But he has this uh, saying through all of his videos on YouTube and it for his writing uh, critiques. And it's like, don't do something like a wizard did it. And he'll pan to this image of Gandalf doing something. Listen, uh, we can talk about Gandalf in another episode because that's he's not technically a wizard. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's more in line with being an angel and or a cleric. Um, that's that's just the wizard thing. He doesn't use, even use a book like that's the main. He reads a book and some scrolls, but. 
wizard to be books. fair i do believe he refers to himself as a wizard but yeah, i'm he does. pretty sure he knows he's not really a he wizard. also he talks about like a lot of it we're very sidetracked in the gandalf <laughs> zone, but like he he also says a lot of bullshit just all the time yeah like Really, all, all, of things, <laughs> all of the things could just be explained with, a wizard did it. And that's mm-hmm. really just Arthurian legend to begin with. It's just, a wizard did it. Yeah. It's, oh, you Merlin dressing up like a vagabond tricking us again, you old scamp. Excellent. So, dang wizards. Uh, so how many... All right, I want to ask some questions about the breakdown of these three series in the universe. Okay. Um, are they, or is each one like a contained season, or do they have seasons within each series? So, to better make sure I understand your question just enough, um, let me let me bring up another series while we're here that's also controversial. You know how the DC universe and TV shows like Arrow and Flash kind of overlapped a little bit? Yes, yeah, the Arrowverse, where right. they had some episodes overlap, uh-huh. but you couldn't get through one season without spoiling the other Yes. to the other series. So... In Troll Hunters and the Tales of Arcadia as a whole, they did a very good job having episodes overlap with each series without actually spoiling how the other one goes, right? Mm. So you are technically supposed to watch Troll Hunters, then Three Below, then Wizards, because the literal ending of Three Below is the first episode of Wizards. You start the very last five minutes is the five minutes to, to um, Wizards, essentially. That's- and... Yeah, it's that's good. It's that's beautiful that's transition. Yeah, it's very beautiful excellent. transition. So now the the transition between Troll Hunters and Three Below, however, is a lot like Arrowverse because they didn't have the green light for Three Below, uh, to my understanding, prior to. Mm-hmm. So they threw a pilot episode in in the middle of Troll Hunters where they introduced two characters. And anybody who would be a watcher at um at this point would know which episode I'm talking about, where two teenagers who act very strange, um, and as if they are out of place. Talking about, you know, just about anything, uh, quantum physics and things as if everybody else in, the, in this world should know. You know, like, don't you know that the bolt of lightning is however many gigawatts? Yeah, I can't remember the actual, like, measurement they gave, but it was, like, <laughs> out there and accurate. <laughs> and, that, um, and it's people, uh, I'm sorry, I, I gotta get this oh, up for my, my brain forgets it. Um, people told me that uh, Three Below was kind of like Symbiotic Titan, where... There's like, uh, they're they're not they're like teens, but they're not teens in Symbiotic Titan. They're like alien teens. I don't yeah. know if either of you watched that one. It, it's like, uh, it's kind of like a cult classic. Um, that one cartoon. I haven't watched. I've not. I will have to now because you, you've you've given me the comparison for Three Below. But Three Below is definitely alien teenagers, and they wow. they crash landed um, on Earth. Well, they were roughly directed to Earth after their planet was um, going through a coup, and they're the, they're part of the royal family. <laughs> that's the that's a plot to Symbiotic Titan. Oh, okay. <laughs> but they fight right. a giant robot, so I don't know if they fight mm-hmm. a giant robot in Three Below. To my understanding, because he's giant, yes, but not no, not well, robot, not robot, but okay. giant. And so, so that's part <laughs> part of how that kind of tied in. So they they really married the sci-fi and fantasy together, where bits of Troll Hunters did end up in Three Below. So basically, they entered the scene in Troll Hunters around kind of the start of that episode right and then there's an episode in three below where they actually interact with all of the troll hunter squad and because there's this uh amnesia type loop that keeps going on with those characters they don't actually remember interacting with them as aliens oh huh, okay it's it's super interesting I, so uh... the end of, yeah so the end of season one in three below is actually the end of season three troll hunters wow okay it's, and, it's very um a much more interwoven universe, which makes sense with uh, Guillermo, de, Guillermo, uh, Del Toro. Guillermo. I can't say it. Guillermo, Guillermo. Guillermo Del Toro. Um, my Michigan accent comes through with mispronouncing words all the time. Uh, he always does crazy shit like this, where it's, yeah. it, there's so much going on and you have to watch it a bunch of times to get it all. Um, like with Pan's Labyrinth, I mean, there, there's so much like... Uh, allegory in that that movie mm-hmm. it's nuts um i very much want to watch pan's labyrinth but every time i've tried to sit down and do it i have this like distracted type personality i always have to be like doing something at the same time and i have to read those subtitles so i always have to be in the mood and prepared to watch it 
and yeah. I I need to sit through it because I very much want to. But I, <laughs> I highly recommend watching it in Spanish. Yeah, um, exactly. I don't want to watch the dub of that. It, the dub of it is like it's <laughs> well done, but it's not good. If that makes sense. Right. No, um, it's they tried like their best, but they didn't quite succeed, and that's yeah, exactly yeah. it. I don't want to. Yeah, I want to watch it in Spanish, and uh, that's. Again, I have to just sit down and read the subtitles, which is not a huge ordeal for me. It's just a matter of focus. Yeah, that's why I end up not being able to watch uh, as much anime as I would like, because I'm not going to watch an anime dub. No offense to dubs, they're just not for me. Uh, But my little ADHD brain is like, oh, uh, okay, yeah, I'll watch this anime. Let me read the subtitles, and then I'll pull my phone up, and I'll be like, why can't I understand what they're saying? Oh, Yeah, I'm like, I'm inferring somehow that I've just suddenly learned Japanese, and I'm going to, you know, pay attention. I try to read the subtitles, go back to what I was doing, read again, you know, if the hopefully the end of a sentence was clear. But no, I can't do it. (laughs) You know, I always hope. As someone who's learning Japanese and watches a lot of subbed anime, um, it, it the dub even the the subtitles aren't super accurate to what they're actually saying. You know they they yeah. localize things and it, it makes sense. Oh, yeah. I, but I do want to say the one anime that I think is dubbed well, and I'm probably gonna get crucified <laughs> for this, but I really like My Hero Academia's. Honestly, uh, yes, dubbing. it is. I love that. It, they get all the character. They they went out of their way to do extra like on-brand characters like um people bakugo Bakugo is perfect and then ingenium um yes ida is such a good like nerd (laughs) yeah no all of them are just they're voiced so well and the colloquialisms that they use in english are just perfect uh, for the lines that they're trying to deliver um because when you're trying to watch it in japanese you're obviously getting a, a vastly different kind of vocabulary than what you're receiving in english but you get the same conveying that they technically would in Japanese, which is really nice. Yeah, that's it's very nice. Check out that dub. I actually haven't watched that anime at all. It's it is so good. good. Highly it's recommend. Good. We, I might do a watch party just in this Discord at some point. <laughs> we, yeah. I want to do more uh, bonding stuff to make podcasting easier, especially with the the big group D and D project. It, it'll make things a lot smoother if, if we if we had some if team ever stuff. either of yeah. you want to watch troll hunters i'm here for it like i said Excellent. i'm like building Absolutely. a cult of it you know <laughs> come to us we have a very quiet fandom it's it's chill here we all have a discussion <laughs> i could use a quiet fandom as uh listeners of the podcast would probably know <laughs> speaking of fandom stuff i uh i did uh my solemn duty uh and had to check out the forbidden rule for <laughs> troll hunters stuff and no, there's, there's I don't stuff do that. Up there and i knew there would be and i was like i just wanted to check in to see to make sure people there wasn't like some weird curse on this show because if there wasn't stuff out there and the forbidden rule um i would be very suspect <laughs> like <laughs> I, I would be like there's somebody building this fandom from the outside um, <laughs> because there's it's, there's nothing there's I we this is uh, generally a show about fandom drama. There's nothing. I, I've looked. I've been looking since we started talking about. It's like, did somebody like say something mean to somebody in the fandom one time? It's like probably maybe, but it was they they solved the problem on their own. They didn't uh, create false identities and pretend to right. be their own nanny. There's no like, big forum breakdowns. There's no big discordance between everybody we all generally fall on the same plane of understanding it's very strange i have to tell you because i went i actually watched the show with an ex-boyfriend and he and i were pretty much in the same thought processes for every episode and you know every time i've shown it to a friend they're like oh my god this is really good and they just there's not there's not a whole lot of holes in the writing except for one big thing that's really in agreement with the whole fandom anyway yeah I will say this is like genuinely the first time I've heard of a fandom that doesn't have any like niche problematic clusters of people at all. I don't know. It's a miracle I found it. Yeah, that's really cool. Just the way that the internet works, there probably is. And they probably just keep to themselves, which is a nice thing. As long as you know, do your own thing on your own time and don't involve other people. Because there are like there are fanfics out there. I've looked into that too. And there, there's both the like, oh, I, I want to make my own story in this universe and the horny fanfics. Right. Oh, I was going to ask about the, the fan fiction culture of, of Troll Hunter. You know, if I was a teenager, I would be able to answer that question better. But I 
fell out of writing fan fiction probably late 2015. And to be quite frank with you, the last time I wrote fan fiction, probably just dabbles of what I did with Red versus Blue, just for the sake of writing, like like exercising my writing and comedic skills. Right. And that's it. And I, I fell out of really following fan fiction, like reading it, um, probably when I graduated high school, last first couple years of college, I should say. I'm 28 now, if that gives anybody the... Mm the kind of gist of time frame I'm giving here. Right. So I kind of just stay off of fan fiction forums now. I'm looking at Archive of Our Own. Um, Excellent. Just looking up Tales of Arcadia, there are 2,423 works. Okay. Um, so that's a, that's a decent amount. Yeah. The last one was edited and released today. Nice. Um, there's two, two released today, two released yesterday. Two, it's pretty solid people are still going at it so people are going so when i'm gonna look at ratings um the general audience ratings 1075 teen and up audiences 866 not rated 192 so that's uh wild west who knows what's going on there (laughs) um there are 188 mature so i I would assume like uh i don't know i i'm not into the the rating concepts um, so back to the, the the citrus scale yeah it, uh, yeah might... it's it's comparable like i think uh explicit would be like a, a lemon yeah by that's ex- standard so there's 188 mature and then 102 explicits um which is like the the biggest um difference i've ever seen in general audiences versus explicit but it makes sense because this is you know these are these characters are minors, and this is exactly a show mostly yeah. made for kids, so that's good. <laughs> and in the warnings, it's actually interesting because uh, I I don't know. This is actually my first time looking at archive of our own, <laughs> and yeah. I love this system already. It's so but good. It's very good. If I can figure it out, uh, it's really good. So the first one is no archive warnings apply. It's fourteen forty nine, one thousand four hundred forty nine for people that aren't ADHD. Uh, so that's they. There's no warnings. It, they're just like, hey, this is just a story. There's nothing bad in it. Okay. Um, creator chose not to use archive warnings, which Wild West. Who knows what's going on? Um, 650 of those. Uh, 295 graphic depictions of violence. So like less than a tenth of these yeah. works have graphic violence. Um, major character death is 189, mm. and then. Some super no no stuff underneath it. Uh, yeah, but totals not up to that many. Not many. It's only 46 and 43. So it's like 1%, less than 1%. This is also, I'm also now looking at AO3, mm-hmm. um, one of uh, a rare fandom where the main pairings are majority uh, male female. Yeah, I would just have to look at that. It so is, a lot of the characters themselves can be. Pretty much canonically heterosexual, right? Um, from mm-hmm. what you can see, and there's really no indications to having um, any characters that would probably sway in any gay direction. Um, right. There, ha- there were um, in in a few offhanded scenes. Uh, there was one where I saw two girls together, and I'm trying to recollect whether or not it was the end of <laughs> three below <laughs> or in the middle. I can't really remember. I just remember that the world was about to end and then suddenly somebody got a girlfriend and it was a girl. And because right. they made like a wish about it. And that's cute. It's like, a, it's like an office. Yeah, it's a support character that you like never hear the name of ever. But it's somebody that's consistently like in the background. Right. And then so there is one character in here and I don't want to say who it is unless, you know, if there are would be watchers and spoil something. But there is somebody that um, I would say is canonically bi in my opinion. Because he's very much attracted to women within the first few series. Because he's he's across all three of them. And then in the last one, he sees Lance a lot. And he's like, oh, he's so dreamy. And I was like, are you, are you bi? <laughs> you well, I mean, at that point, yeah, he's got to be, right? That's Right, exactly. I was just like, I am pretty thrilled about this. This could either be vain because you look like him. Or it's because you genuinely value men, you know? You got to take your wins where you can get them. <laughs> right, exactly. So I'm yeah. just like, maybe? So, like, there's there's not... Yeah, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of in the LGBTQ um, representation in this show. But uh, I didn't really hear a whole lot about the arguments of shipping either. 
was that was going to be my next question like is there a, like a general consensus in the fandom of like the the pairings yeah yeah the pairing for like the main pairing between Jim and Claire um which you would automatically know that they're the each other's love interests right. is actually fairly realistic for teen for teen romance in my right. opinion throwing them at each other and trauma bonding yeah. them you know what i mean so much in like teen chosen one media yeah that, it's super interesting that you don't i mean in a lot of modern stuff you do see like characters that hold over um like their feelings about stuff especially in, like steven universe that they they have through lines for a lot of the characters and like background characters and it growing up a lot of like even like Samurai Jack was very good at it, but there's a lot of other like serious series that would just like reset because that was like what worked, right? Right. It's like the Simpsons um, style of creating cartoons where each one has to stand alone on its, uh, each episode has to be funny on its own without calling back to other episodes. Right. And it, it, it's such a weird thing to say, but like Family Guy is such a weird one for breaking that rule and. I'm not like a huge Family Guy fan. I think there's some funny stuff in it, and it, there's a lot of like extremely pr problematic stuff in it. Oh yeah. But it, I it, note, I, uh, I can't I've been see doing it, but I'm nodding. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing sort of a deep dive in preparation for a future episode on the Family Guy fandom, and like especially the modern like Gen Z Family Guy fandom, and it is fascinating. Yeah, so. it's, it's wild. Um, they, like, seeing more shows, especially serious series like this one, um, where the character, like, he has to keep making up to the parents after trashing their house. And it's not just like, oh, you're dating your daughter now, everything's cool. It's like, hey, yeah. bucko, why'd you mess up my house that one time? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, nice there's, that... this is a very consistent story. Like, it's, I'm impressed, honestly. Like, I hope to only write something this cohesive one day. Um, because there's so many things that are good callbacks to each other. Like, it's not even just that each episode in its own is a standalone, like, good on its own kind of thing. It has drawbacks to sometimes even the first episode. There are recurring quotes, actually, across each season to each series. Ooh, I wow. love a recurring quote. Uh, there's, stuff. like, three of them. It's fantastic. That's excellent. Um. So we let's cover. You've, you've got six things listed here, which are all the pros that you have for the series. Uh, let's go through. Them. We kind of covered the third one, the parent-child relationship dynamics. Let's go through them yeah. all and just you know we'll pick out some uh, pick out some points so you can without spoiling anything. Um, I guess. Oh yeah, I can do like, that. Yeah, uh, let's let's pick out some points and talk about those because I'm interested to see how they tackle a lot of these uh, in so... in universe. So positive masculinity was one of the things that I definitely noted. And I was actually rewatching like the first couple episodes last night, trying to like drum up the, the feelings to put forth to these notes too. But the positive masculinity one is it, it actually showcased a lot of masculine characters doing what are traditionally not masculine things. Jim likes cooking. Like he enjoys thoroughly, like just actually cooking and helping his mom. That's a part of that parent child dynamic thing, but he cooks for his mom, his friends, you know, just, really enjoys that um and being and in that kind of caretaker role and blinky his mentor also now he's like that nerdy type but he's very supportive he's very positive he doesn't train jim with this like i'm gonna you know like beat you to the ground and make you a whole new person like make a man out of you style it's it's actually building on things that jim is good at he does try to use like positive um affirmations when he's training jim in the um oh man what's it called uh blanking on the troll hunters training area Ooh, it'll come back to me later i'm sure of it but um it also shows that there's uh, and this kind of blends in with the blended family struggles which is my second point there's several different families that are explored not necessarily with the same depth as each other but kind of coinciding in the series there's uh, a student who's stepdad is the gym coach and you see them struggle in and in the school and outside of the school and you see that gym coach try to be a more positive masculine figure to him when apparently his dad was very explosive and angry it's implied that that child's dad was like that and you know just kind of breaking down that that boundary there 
um, and actually having that kind of conversation where uh, from for somebody like myself, I actually have two step parents or had two step parents growing up. I had my stepfather and my stepmom. Both parents had divorced. So it was nice to see something like that portrayed. And I'm like, you know, it would have been nice. <laughs> yeah, that, that's super uh, nice. I, I love that. Um, especially like specifically like the coach dad, like be, yeah. being like a, a softer masculine uh role model if if possible i don't know if, that, if that's the actual dynamic that they follow on that but they definitely um, try they very much imply that the coach is a big softy despite being a hard ass in the school yeah that's, and, that's, that's yeah. the thing that i like the most about that kind of especially like any coach character if they're like actually like super nice but it's like their job to be the coach and get things done like showing that the difference in and out of that it's it's very interesting yeah yeah and there is um because Jim Jim's dad did walk out he has technically two father figures at the beginning of the series and he does end up with one of those particular figures being more prominent than the other due to a betrayal but there is another figure of his that's again a more knowledgeable masculine figure as a teacher versus you know like uh I don't know I'm trying to even think just like again another hard ass kind of coach like oh I'm going to train you until you know you can't can't walk no more type of deal Right. It doesn't do that until way later on after you have some other stuff there, but it kind of shows where that could come into play. Um, Shout out to helpful teacher dads, uh, especially uh, the one from uh, Stranger Things, the science oh teacher. Oh my God, I, yes. He's, he's so good. That Him being a nerd and just unapologetically following his shit and just doing what That's he wants. That's definitely Blinky. Blinky's it, the unapologetic nerd. Perfect. And so the gradual redemption arcs is that I know I, I think I've explained this to my roommate before, too, um, when we're talking about redemption arcs and characters. Nothing will ever compare to Zuko. Nothing no. will ever, ever come close to what Zuko had like accomplished over all of the Avatar series. But I oh, would true. put I would put one of the characters in probably the top five for mine in this show as far wow. as redemptions, because you go from hating his ass in the first season of Troll Hunters to, oh, my God, he's totally endearing by wizards. <laughs> Excellent. It was already sold on this, but this, uh, the redemption arc and, like, evil character joining the friend group, or at least being a little more sympathetic later on, is like, oh, yeah. Ugh, I live I for even, that. I wouldn't even call him evil. I would just call him a minor antagonist. Mm. And he's the, he's the ordinary antagonist. He's a school bully. Okay, interesting. So yeah, and then you've also got another one where there is somebody that kind of starts out as this um rival figure and then that rival figure that rivalry ends after jim beats him in a particular skirmish <laughs> and i wouldn't even say like beats like oh man he just kind of wipes the floor with him he doesn't really right. do that but he he definitely wounds his pride and he then becomes kind of this low-key frenemy to friend and that. that one's very satisfying it's very sad in the end but it's very satisfying and um my one of my favorite ones uh, out of this list is the examples of respecting boundaries and recognizing other people's limitations. There is a character, um, and it's it's always a, a callback, excuse me, about um, how he looks to how he actually acts. He is a hulking brute, but he is a pacifist. And it becomes very clear to see when he's playing video games with uh, Toby, the uh, the secondary main character. I um, video games. That's right. like all I do. <laughs> so to Toby is also big into video games in the series. And... Yeah. Um, I think they all are. I, I'm pretty, right. I haven't talked to any Toby that isn't. And I've only talked to like two other ones. So, I mean, I, it's a big pool already. <laughs> it's all just the stats don't lie. Mm -hmm. And um, But uh, Toby's big into video games and he gets this particular character to play with him. But it becomes very clear when they're playing a fighting game that he's very triggered, almost in a PTSD type of way. And Toby immediately recognizes it, doesn't get mad at him when the controller breaks out of that particular fit that he has. And says, you know what? I have a better game we can play. And he goes to this thing that's called Go Go Sushi. And it's just making sushi orders. It's like a cooking game. And it's so peaceful. And it's so wholesome to watch him, instead of getting mad at somebody, getting triggered, attending to their needs, and moving forward. Yeah, that's such a an important uh, representation in like a kid show that I've, I feel like I've never really seen in anything else it's so yeah. hard to capture it in in a way yeah. that doesn't doesn't kind of drum up too much drama and that that particular scene was all characterization it wasn't it wasn't a fight 
with a big bad guy where you would have been like, well, that was kind of contrived or that didn't really feel like it worked well. This was them acting on their own. Right. There's a quote that that makes me think of. and I don't know what this quote is from, but I, I heard it on TikTok and I really liked it. Um, I don't know. I, I really want to know who this quote is from. I'll look that up and well, I'm, well, I'm saying it right now, but it, the quote is you can't truly call yourself peaceful unless you're capable of great violence. If you're not capable of violence, you're not peaceful, you're harmless. Hmm. Um, well, that's definitely this character, if I should say that. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a big... Um, I, it's just a quote that I love. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, there's just something about it. Ev- evocative. Makes it's very, you think. It is. Yeah. yeah. It, it, to talk in D&D terms, because I'm going to start doing that more as we get more ramped up in, into uh, production on our D&D podcast. It's just like that's the monk class in general in D anD D, where it's like, I know I can kick the shit out of you. I'm just I don't have to. <laughs> right. I don't have to prove the point to know that I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like I can just literally just disable you instead of killing you. So I'm gonna do that instead. Uh, so I love that that character trope of the the pacifist who's like, uh, actually I'm technically like a war criminal, like Uncle I- uh Uncle Iroh I was from- gonna say oh Uncle God. Iroh. Yeah, I would. I would definitely not put that character into the category of Iroh or even in the monk, right? He's he's just that he he was recruited by the Gum Gums at some point in his life and then he turned away from that. And so he actively chooses to not fight. And it becomes very clear that he, he finally grapples with, okay, there are times that fighting is appropriate because I'm defending people that I love. Yeah. That's really good. That's a big that's like a big modern thing that like people are kind of coming to terms with too. Uh but we'll not really get into that too much. But that's like that, that's where I heard it on TikTok was like somebody um was basically saying that and they're at a protest and it, you know that that's that was the whole end of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. That asking for help is not a sign of weakness, which was a great plot point and theme that was very much recurring through the show. But it does tie into the next thing that I will um also break down into, and that's the one thing I think that collectively as a fandom everybody would agree with. Um, that the show definitely tries to make it a huge point to say that asking for help from your friends is not a sign of weakness or even relying on your family or your loved ones, whomever is your support group. Um, There are plenty of episodes where Jim tries to go it alone and then he ends up having to rely on his friends who he also refers to as troll hunters, even though technically he is the only troll hunter um, by title. And there are episodes like that with Claire where, you know, at some point she finally breaks down and asks for help for stuff. Um, Toby and her have an entire episode dedicated to them trying to figure out how to get along um, better for the sake of Jim and the entire team, you know, and they help each other grow at that point. Um, now, the biggest thing out of the three seasons, and actually it does bleed into Wizards a little bit, and I'm, in- I'm interested in seeing if the movie reconciles this. Um, not going too far into the weeds to expose the spoilers, but um, breaking it down, the fairly common trope of many protagonists is learning when to accept help from others and not isolating themselves. There's a number of times in the series that Jim is told to shoulder his destiny as the troll hunter alone. Um, and this is explicitly said to him in many occasions. Um, and that he should, you know, forego his connections to others. They're only going to get hurt because of him. Um, each time he does this, he ultimately fails and realizes it's okay to lean on the loved ones for support. However, there are instances, you know, Again, surrounding this, where he clearly has learned in in other group activities he's done with these folks, I should be able to rely on my friends, point blank and simple. And it's a flaw that's ultimately left unresolved by the end of uh, season three. And uh. there's there's one big end point that I can't get into here, because again, it would be a huge spoiler for a would-be watcher, but they would definitely know at what point I'm talking about um when they get to it and i'm very like i said i'm very interested in seeing if that gets reconciled by the movie excellent that's that's super cool i uh there's i'm i'm just gonna start quoting stuff from now on there's something somebody said once uh, it's like in the same vein as that pacifist quote um or peaceful quote i guess would be more accurate description of it but it's like you have to be capable of doing things on your own but know that (laughs) working together is a lot easier to just get shit done it's oh yeah it, i can, yeah that quote like this it, it's more succinct and uh makes more sense but i just broke it down in dumb dumb guy brain uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it means so i'm just gonna say what it means but yeah it's like 
of course you want to be able to do everything on your own and if you can that's great but like if the options that you have is do it poorly by yourself or do it well as a team do it as a team every time it's very hard to say that at the end of season three that he's not working with his friends right there's definitely a plan but there's a particular event that happens where he makes a decision for himself at the at the behest of merlin um and there's a lot of pressure to it and he doesn't consult anyone else about it and that's really the event that i'm talking about um Mm. and it's not so much a getting thing done it's rather a you should really also (laughs) just soundboard with people (laughs) before you do a thing and he doesn't yeah and he doesn't do that and then it it's another instance clear again in wizards when jim is revisited as a character um that he that he's a very self-sacrificing character like i think at this point i have to just accept that that's a that's a problematically endearing trait of his where he's just very self-sacrificing right <laughs> and and like i said i hope in the movie that that gets reconciled but you know fingers crossed that yeah. that culminates to something bigger there yeah hopefully they're uh calling back to that with some kind of build-up in mind i don't know if either of you have watched um the new she-ra uh, love Shira, and I'm oh. rewatching it. I have, uh, that's also another thing I indoctrinate people to is that I have definitely yes. sat down and made my uh, one of my partners watch it with me, and the other one I will be finishing it with because his ex started him with it, and I'm like, oh, we can start over, you know, yeah, <laughs> we'll I, go through this. I'll watch in, this three times. I'm in that zone where I need to start over because I only saw snippets of it, but I I know I'd be into it for sure. Jim and oh Jim and Adora could sit in a room together and talk for hours about all the times <laughs> that they decided to do things without eat, without their partners and their their friends and everything else. Just oh man, they could have a blast. Yes, that is what I was going to talk about because there. I don't want to spoil anything for Shira either, but there's a very moving scene towards the end of the series uh, where Adora kind of has to confront her uh, her compulsive need to kind of face things alone. Uh, and I just thought that that was so well executed. Uh, and it, it made me really... I already was obsessed with the show from season one. Oh, yeah, uh, same. Yeah. Catra is like my comfort character. Oh, man. <laughs> I have this love-hate relationship with Glimmer because I see so much of myself in Glimmer. But goddamn, <laughs> if I'm watching it and it's all the parts of myself that I grew out of. And I'm like, goddammit, Glimmer, every five minutes in the yeah. show. It, that's how I feel I, uh... with Catra and myself. Oh. And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some points with Catra, and I'm like, oh, you hit too deep in the feels. And then uh, there's there's a there's a few with Adora too, for sure. Yeah. That I'm like, oh crap. Uh, we, we're coming up on time, but I'm glad that all these shows are like they they all. We're gonna have to do like these episodes on basically all these shows, yeah. Um, where we break down stuff and see if there's any fandom drama, just to sate my sick curiosity on why people hate each other so much. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's like the, the, the driving force behind all of our drama uh, episodes. But we uh, in the next episode, we're going to do two of these and maybe a third or a bonus episode. We'll, we'll see how it shakes out by the time the third uh, recording starts. Um, in the next episode, we're going to talk a bit about the behind-the-scenes production and a little uh, teaser for this. If anybody knows who Anton Yelchin is, he played uh, a character on Star Trek that I absolutely knew when I started saying the sentence, oh, but I can't um, remember the name of them. Oh my God. Um, super important. He says everything with a Russian accent, which is uh, important. Yeah. Um, I'm no help here. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I, I'm clicking too many. I actually started up OBS and all sorts of recording stuff. Um, Yelchin Star Trek. Chekhov. That's it. Chekhov. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's going to drive uh, me crazy. <laughs> I, it's such was... a basic Russian name. I should have been able to guess it. Even though yeah, I never it's... watched, but it's it's the whole nuclear vessel thing. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, nuclear vessel. Um, yeah, it, it was on time of passing. I thought he was an excellent Chekhov Star Trek. I'll probably end up doing stuff on Star Trek at some point, uh, just because I know a lot of uh, cool background stuff about the show. Maybe not so much about the fandom things, but. You know, now oh, I know learning. about the fandom things, so you we know got about this. The, okay, perfect. I uh, we'll, we'll do that stuff. But yes, Anton Yelchin was the voice actor for Jim, and he passed away. And we'll talk a little bit about how that uh, affected the series. Well, thank you guys for joining me, and thank you for 
educating us on Roll Hunter. Definitely going to have to check this out. And anybody listening who hasn't seen it, uh, come join apparently the most wholesome fandom on the internet. Heck yeah. Uh, where can we find you at, Stella? We'll, we'll put all the links in our episode description. So when it goes up on Spotify and uh, et cetera, it will be up there. Um, but where can we find you? I actually tell fortunes and do crystal wire wrapping at my Etsy, the Stone Dragon Crafts. And I have an Instagram handle of the same name at the Stone Dragon Crafts. Um, I also have a Facebook group that you can join where I do weekly readings um, that you can join in on, as well as do my kind of commissions from there as well. And, you know, so if you're into witchy and pagan stuff, you know, I'm, I'm your girl. And uh, that would also be by the, the name The Stone Dragon Horde. You can find that on Facebook by that name. They're on that group, too. And, yeah, come see me. Yeah, I, I actually bought some uh, runes from you, and they're very good. And they uh, help me out with making uh, plans for the day. It's very nice. I'm glad. Yeah, I, I, I do rune readings and tarot. Uh, I make rune sets. So if anybody is interested in those, they're wood burnt and stained. They're um, very nice. You they had the birch set. Yeah. Yeah. The, the oh, I used is... rose water on yours. That's what I did. I know. I, they still smell like it, too. I keep the good. very oh tightly on clothes. They smell very good. Uh, thank you, Spectrum, uh, Midnight Laboratory, for our theme song, Intro and Outro. Uh, still rocking that. Uh, on the beginning and the ends of this, it's such a good little bop. I love it. Do we have anybody? We don't have anybody else to thank, do we? Um, I think thank, we got it. <laughs> thanks, thank you, viewer, for watching or listening. Um, <laughs> thank you, Gilmore de Toro, for making such a good, wholesome series. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Thanks. Uh, what did they call him on Pacific Rim? The little girl called him something. Uh, Totoro. It's close to Totoro. Yeah, it was basically my neighbor Totoro reference from the little. Yeah, uh, it was like my neighbor Toro. Yeah, it was super cute. Yeah, um, horrible. So we are on Spotify and Audible so far. iTunes podcast or Apple podcast, whatever they're calling it these days, is coming soon. I just gotta get smart about how I'm actually releasing stuff. I, I assume there's a lot more automation to it, but there's not. <laughs> but we uh. <laughs> we'll be on there pretty soon and once we're on apple we'll be on pretty much everything else because it just it scoops up off apple anyways so uh thanks so much for joining us for this episode we'll see you next time bye bye